0: So join me now for another empowering chat. Hi, me again. And uh, this is the beginning of another month of 2021. And what I am calling or uh, asking you to focus on and what the uh, guests on the show this month are going to be discussing is healing. How do we heal? Do we heal within How do we heal our mind? How do we heal our body? How do we heal our emotional system? How do we heal our energy system? Which we are all experiencing some amazing energy happening right now. I I just know each of us is, as we open to being light leaders, and as we open to the light and love that we are, we are experiencing healing. Letting go of what doesn't work for us, right? Thoughts, people, ideas, concepts, and then infusing ourselves with an energy that is aligned with the truth of our individual beings. Because I think, I really believe we all have individual truths and we have to heal from the inside out. We have to heal from the inside out before we can really comprehend what our individual truths are. So that's the theme for this month, healing. And I really invite you to go to SusanBurrell.com and find out more about what I'm up to and what we do out in the world. Enjoy the show. So I, okay, I say this all the time, you guys, and you just have to go with it with me, but I am so excited to have this conversation today because this woman, I've already told her, I think is courageous uh, in in how she uh, stepped out of what was her current experience at the time, and really became more empowered. And it and I know it took a lot of courage. Having gone through something kind of similar, it takes a lot of courage and strength. So um, this woman is a- already like a hero of mine in many ways. She's an author and a psychotherapist. She has co-written a book called The Man Script a guide to surviving and thriving infidelity. As soon as I saw that, I raised my hand. I said, I got to have a conversation with this woman. So I want to welcome Julia Keyes to the show today.
1: Thanks so much, Susan. And what an introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, it's heartfelt. I'm telling you, it's heartfelt. I
0: I recognize when I read part of your story, I was like, oh my goodness. So if you wouldn't mind sharing what your story was, that I think that would be helpful to so many people.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, back in 2016, I first of all, my, my career to date was I was an, initially a nurse back in the 80s and then married uh, Richard, who um, at the time was at a radio station, always worked in sports. And we had two children and eventually came down as one of the anchors of our breakfast programs, rather like your today programs. So we were married 36 years before I found out that he was cheating on me. But before I found out this, we were living in Qatar, which he'd gone to work for uh, Al Jazeera Sport. And we'd been out there four years. And I have to say, I, I was struggling. to to live there. Um, I have a very sick daughter uh, back in the UK here who has a big problem with alcohol. I don't mind sharing that with everybody because I know many do and it's a massive, a massive thing to to deal with themselves and others too. So, but I was doing my best and I was coming backwards and forwards. Um, My co-author Jackie and I, we have known each other since the age of 16. We both nursed at the same hospital. And she continued in nursing and we don't live very far away from each other. And and between us, we got talking. And she'd experienced repeated adultery in her relationship. And I had listened over my 20 years at the time of counseling and psychotherapy to many, many, primarily women, I have to say, sit with me and be absolutely torn apart by finding out that their partner had been cheating on them. So we decided to write a book about this because there were many things, there were many commonalities between the behavior that I was hearing that she had experienced and that clearly was a pattern out there. So we wanted to give a heads up and say, right girls, if you start to notice these, there could maybe a little minute changes and there's a feeling about it, like a gut feeling Definitely, do not ignore it, because you ignore a gut feeling. I think at your peril. And so, tune into that and think: Why am I feeling this? Something isn't right here. So we well, we were writing the book. Um, Richard, at times, you know, he used to make fun of it. Would you believe? You know, of
0: course um, he did.
1: I'm sorry, but of course, of course, of course he did. And and one of the things Richard used to do, very clever. He would tell me about all his friends and the people he worked with that were having extramarital or extra partner bits and pieces going on but he always was never did that and he was always whiter than white and everything so about eight weeks into writing this book we were sitting outside this is in Qatar and I noticed that this very late night message came through on his phone and I was convinced I saw just a red heart so I said very calmly I said Richard I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable who was that on the phone and he said oh it was just a text message or whatever and I said well can I can I see it I mean this wasn't our normal pattern Susan this was just coming out the blue so I watched him pick up the phone, press a few buttons, delete whatever. And then, you know, that was that was it. So I thought, nah, no. And then another time he was opposite me and he looked at me right in the face. He said, I do love you, you know, Julia, I really do love you. So I thought, hmm, why are you saying that with such sort of, I really like such conviction? Another gut feeling happened. So I was alert. Anyway, long story short, we I threw a party for Rich's birthday. And I'd one of the girls, young girls, she was 27, turned up at this party with the floor manager of Al Jazeera. And I knew her. She'd been in our apartment. She texted me many times about my daughter. It was all this sort of, you know, friendly, friendly stuff going on. And I hadn't been very well, so I left early. And as I left, she grabbed me by the arm and she went, oh, are you going now, Julia? All excitedly. And again, she donk, there I go. I thought, nah, something's not right here. And I was quick enough to say, actually, no, I'm not. I'll be back soon. Because I thought, something's not right here. So that night, Richard came back. It was about five o'clock in the morning. And I thought, I've got to get his mobile phone. Something is not right. And I went to the phone and there were the messages. So I woke him up and, you know, I said, you are having an affair. And of course he denied it. And in true style, and we say this in the book a lot, you you know, you are totally undermined by say it's all in your mind. You're off your head. You're going mad over and over again. You don't trust me. Why don't you trust me? Yeah, this is typical of you. I never do anything, you know, and and on and on and on and on. Anyway, finally, that was probably in the April. I came back to the UK just because it was, I was looking after my daughter. Richard arrived in the May. We were due to go away for a week together, which we did. We took our daughter with us. When we arrived at this place where we were staying, just a little cottage, um, my daughter and Richard fell asleep and, uh, a message came through on his phone and it was from her saying, um, Oh, I wish I could give you a big cuddle. I feel so sorry for you. Blah, 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 blah. Well, my heart now, Susan, is going 90 to the dozen. I thought, Right, thank you very much. So I pretended to be Richard. So I text her back, Oh, I know I miss you too. And on it went and on it went till I had enough evidence to be well i had it there anyway didn't i let's face it yes, yes and he had nowhere to run nowhere to hide and that really was the beginning of me categorically having evidence and then we can talk again what happened about subsequently from there
0: so i uh, as you're telling your story story julia it, it is very much like my story and uh i mean to the uh, i my experience of uncovering uh, betrayal in my 28-year marriage is very similar to yours, mm-hmm. and um, which is why I was making faces and going, "Oh my god!" Because it, so this is common, right? Yes. This is yes. this isn't just like unusual in one relationship. This is a common thread of how. Well, I sure, I know women cheat too, right? Because the woman has to also then be participatory in,
1: yes. right? Yeah. But it's more of a common thread with the men. It's more of a common thread with the men because there is a theory that it's more of a sexual desire as opposed to an emotional need. Hmm. But when you talk to, you see, when, when men are cheated on, they actually do, they, they do not do well when women cheat on them at all, at all. And I think there's an element whereby they probably don't express themselves as easy as we do. You know, we like to talk things out. But with men, I think there's an element of hiding because of the ego. And they don't want to say to their friends, this is what's happened to me. So they tend to hang on to their feelings um, of hurt a lot longer. And then they tend to have more of a possessiveness with other relationships because of the fear of losing that person and because of the hurt that still remains within. So they have a those that have been cheated on men, they have a they really do have a tough time. But for us women, sorry, you're gonna say so well, yes,
0: because um those men that get cheated on. have a hard time letting it go and i understand the ego and are they also cheaters right do you like in my in my in my Mm -hmm. experience there was ongoing uh yes affairs Mm -hmm. and then i had one i'm telling this out loud boy everybody yeah and it was i and it felt like i was impelled to do it to get his attention And his reaction was, he was floored how I would ever do that. Yeah. And he, you know, he had his, everybody had to talk him off the ceiling because God forbid, right. And this wasn't an, any, it wasn't a a, a relationship. Do you know, for me, it was, uh, he's not listening. He's not listening. Well, let's get your attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. And so that's why I'm asking, are are the men that have a hard time overcoming it, are they also the cheaters?
1: Um, Not necessarily, Susan. No. I mean, some are, you see, you know, that situation whereby somebody accuses you of doing something that they're actually doing themselves. Right. Somebody will project their behavior onto you. And you're thinking, where on earth is this coming from? You know, this has got nothing to do with me because they're actually doing it themselves. And there are those situations, but there are, you know, some women can be incredibly ruthless with the way they, you know, they do treat men. And um, and a lot of men can be incredibly ruthless with us women too. So it's, it's, it, it's all out there. I just think that from a male perspective, they They bury it a lot more than than maybe we do, but um when it hits you like you've had yourself, Susan, oh my gosh, it is like I, I've never experienced anything like it.
0: yeah well, it, it, right. It's interesting because when we wake up to the truth, right, Julia, yeah. it's, it's almost I went into a bunch of shame and guilt of how could I be so stupid be you know, because I'm a well educated, intelligent woman yeah and to be to have the experience of having been betrayed over and over and over and over again and yet being told but i exactly what you said but i love you you know i love you it's like it, it was such a uh hmm, I was gonna say a really bad word it was really a mind beep a yeah mind, uh, absolutely it is it and really so then is. how do you so then you know, the, the book, your book is
1: about yeah. learning how to survive and yes. thrive. Yes, very much so, Susan, very much so. Because when it first happened, you are completely blindsided. You know, you your whole world falls apart. And to be honest, and I don't know if I've ever said this, but for me, it was like a double betrayal. And I'll tell you why. Because just the previous year, in fact, probably within the six months, I had found, because of my nursing, I'd been taking. I only very, well. I took Richard's blood pressure, and I found it to be sky high. And he ignored it, and I kept taking it, kept taking. It. I said, "Something's wrong, Richard. something's wrong. Let's go to the doctor." He eventually did, and he had an aneurysm right next to his heart. Wow. He would be dead. He would have died. So I thought to myself, "My God, Richard, you're alive. I have. I actually saved your life." And yet this is how you sort of, you know, he goes out, this is how you are a pain. It's not that, but where's your respect? Where right. is your love? So in terms of how do you turn this round within yourself when you're facing all the hurt, the pain, the loss of what you thought you had, the loss of the person you thought they were. I mean, I don't know about you, Susan, but I think it takes a long time to work out who somebody really is because of all the attachment feelings you've got. And you sort of go through your relationship and you go, well, God, maybe then he was doing this. Maybe when he did that, he only was manipulating me because he didn't want me to do this. And all of a sudden, it's your relationship starts to just crack, fragment. And you think, my gosh, what have I been in for the last, in my case, 36 years? And It's and, really hard. And that's, that's, you know, a, a majority
0: of your life or yeah. half of your life. And to come yeah. out of that going, I spent half my life with this, especially when you, like you're saying, when you can connect the dots, that yeah. it's not just a one-off it's, it's a ongoing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought my ex husband, been, we, we always said we were each other's best friend. Right. And, and, and when i fought, i i filed for divorce um i you know he wanted to remain in the house and and he he wanted us to remain good friends and he wanted even oh my god i what i experienced was an individual who wanted to go on weight watchers with me so he could look better yeah which meant i'm doing the cooking and the planning i was like Oh, hell no. Time for you to go. You got to go. I wasn't able, I wasn't, I was constantly being uh, devastated and heartbroken while he remained in the house. And then when the divorce really got underway, it was shattering, life shattering. Now, but I do have to say, Julia, I came out better, but I came out better because I developed a relationship with myself. And you talk about that in your book, The Manscript.
1: A hundred percent, very much so. And just to say something about um, what you were just talking about there. It's all, with an, you know, narcissistic traits are a nightmare because they're all about the me, myself and I, and everything is about, you must love me, you must give me attention and I will get it from any point, whatever. So it's really, really hard to deal with because there's such a lack of empathy and they always go for empathic people so one of the things on the day that um, a couple of days within me finding out, and obviously there was uproar and all the rest of it, Richard turned around to me and said, Julia, you are my wife. This is, you are meant to help me through this. This is what you're here for. And I, I was so taken aback. I had to write that in my phone, in my notes, honestly, just to go, oh, did I what? hear that? Right? Did I hear that? So it's been a long road back. It's now five years, and it's only this year where actually the divorce was completed. We separated immediately, just purely by countries. He was over there, I came back here. But actually, when we went to Qatar, we sold the house here, so I actually had no home. So when I did leave Qatar, that was actually the only house and home I had. So I stayed with a friend when I first came back, And probably, you see, the thing, what was happening, and again, lies and manipulation are so key to this. And that's what I think is so hard to get your head around, which is why, in the end, you have to focus on yourself. And you have to start thinking about, who am I? Who am I? Because I met Richard when I was 19, coming on to 20, and my identity had been part of a partnership. And mine,
0: mine as well. I had not developed my own personal self and I got married at 25. So, yeah.
1: yeah. And I, and I was 22, Susan. And, and I, so we developed together, but we, I developed as part of someone and, you know, Rich is a very dominant character, very controlling and, you know, so, and I'm very passive. So I probably was really easy to live with in that respect that I would. I'm young, I don't, you know, and I'm just going along with things Um, and I'm supporting him. And, I, you know, I always said he was, it was a good provider, Susan, but emotionally inept. And now I realize now what I had as a husband and without a shadow of a doubt, I had someone with a narcissistic personality disorder and that takes a lot of getting your head around. And if you... I think it's really good to understand those traits, so you can put them into context within your relationship. Yeah. But the one person you've got to concentrate on then is you, and you have to find yourself again. And you or, have to or even if even
0: just begin the self definition of who am yes. I, because yeah. that, and that's I I have uh, several clients that have come to me at the beginning or during divorce, and they are very passive. I I, I don't. I guess I must've been passive because I put up with it, but, um, I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure how to get out of it. So the, uh, the idea of uh, my ex-husband was dominant. He was a big personality. He drew people to him like flies, you know, he was fun and seemingly happy-go-lucky and all that. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of wool being pulled over.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and I've seen this in my clients as well. Oh, well, I feel sorry for him. You know, I'm the one that filed for divorce. I feel sorry for him. He says he can't afford any place to live. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And when I bring up this narcissistic, uh, patterning, they're like, no, really? Oh no. And then as they get further along in in their uncovering who they are or who they were never, right? Because we become very worthless in a relationship like that. Yeah. We don't feel empowered. We don't have self-esteem because they, narcissists, have Zippo self-esteem. So they want to make you feel worse than them. Yeah. And it's intentional, ladies. It's intentional, and it, you can tell I'm a little on fire about this, huh, Julia? It, not. because it, 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 you know, and you use the word person a uh, narcissistic personality disorder, and I know you're a yes. psychotherapist, yeah, and I think that's what triggered me because really that that to me lets them off the hook. Oh, see, it's a disorder. they can't help themselves, and I know lots of people say that, oh, really, they can't help themselves. And, and they can't, they can't, this is just who they are, but that's the thing. When you run into a narcissist, everybody, you need to double back, turn around, go in the opposite direction because they can't help themselves. They right. are never going to change. Yeah. And every time I thought with all the multiple therapy sessions we would do because we hit a bump yeah, or I uncovered something
1: and there was never change. There was never change, ever. No, and there was never change in Richard either. I went through probably two years of this, um, I'm not with her, I want you back, I love you, I don't want to get divorced. uh, the, The lies were prolific. I think there's an element of sort of being pathological, actually, because they just rolled off the tongue. And, you know, it does make you think, well... Am I, you know, have I got this right? Is it this? Because you, you know, you do question yourself until you. Am I crazy? Am I? And that's, I think, the cruelest thing of all, when physically and emotionally and nervously as well, you are really struggling because your brain has to go into a gear if it's going to sort out the practicalities of life, if you're going to split up, and yes. You know, having an affair doesn't always lead to the end of a relationship. It depends on, you know, what's going on within it and who's prepared to work at it. And one of the things you've probably seen in the book is when we, you know, people say, well, how do you reconcile? How do you get beyond it if you want to stay together and you both want to do that? Well, one of the first things is you've got to get rid 100 percent of the person you're having an affair with. And of course that was the stumbling block at, 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 you know, the first hurdle with Richard. He never did. But so in a way he just wanted to do the classic narcissist thing, which was to keep both going just in case one didn't work out. Right. So I, I think in one way, it's good to have a label sometimes, but in others, it's like you just said, Susan, it almost gives them an out it gives them oh you know well never mind you know you you clearly aren't thinking creatively so well we'll love you better absolutely not they are unfortunately damaged people and they will only damage more people as they go along their way yes absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and which is, is why I don't. It,
0: it, it, and again, I just want to encourage the listeners: if you think yeah. you're in a narcissistic relationship, investigate that. There's a great book called "The Passive Aggressive Covert Narcissist" by um, Debbie Mizar, M- Mirzar, and uh, and and it's all laid out there. If you think you're in that, because Julia, I. I Am now in an amazing relationship with a man that would never think of taking advantage of me or manipulating me. He's nothing but kind-hearted and loving. Thank God, and that's because I did my inner healing work and really built my esteem up enough to match somebody else's vibration, who had healthy esteem and lifestyle and all of that. But for people, if you're in a relationship like that, I, I you may say differently, Julia, but. I don't think there's ever any fixing it. If you're if you just think you're in a narcissistic relationship, it might be time for you to exit stage right.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I think if you think ever you're going to fix and use you know that term it fix something, you can forget it. If you don't want to leave it because the payoff to you, the benefit to you on another level is worth it, and that's what there's a bargaining going on. Well, I'll put up with this, but I'm because I want that. That's up to the individual. But what I would yeah, go on. I, I just think. want to ask you, what would people yes. bargain? What would what, what what, what sometimes Susan they, Yeah, what why do they bargain with their emotional um peace and calm and everything? Yes. Because, well, sometimes circumstances they will say if they've got children, or just themselves, well, he, he puts a roof over my head, you know, all that you actually said before. Um, or it might be. That they just they're quite dependent types of pe- people themselves, and they prefer to have somebody rather than nobody. And you know what, Susan? There's many people like that. Honestly, oh, yeah. they really are. Um, but when it comes to you as a person, where do you make the start to say, "I've got to get myself together"? And I think the two words that I kept saying to myself over and over again. And that we encourage encourage a lot in the book is you have to keep saying I matter, I matter. It doesn't matter. I matter. My feelings matter. My life matters. My health matters. I matter because the one thing a a narcissist will do is make sure that you're not you're not number one. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Ever. Ever. I was ever. like. I was, when we first got married, it was his family and then me. And then we got a cat. It was his family, the cat, me. Then we got a dog, the family, the cat, me, the dog. You know, and I kept, and I kept asking him, why am I not your priority? I'm your wife. Until I was, you know, I was the bottom of the barrel. I was the thing beneath his shoe. And that's exactly, uh, I believe, well, if you- he wanted me.
1: Yes. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, uh, the analogies I sometimes use is if you think of a chessboard and you've got the narcissist as the king, all he is doing with everybody he knows and, uh, and us too and everything else, we're just pawns on the chessboard of his life. He just moves us around the chessboard all to keep him safe. To Ain't keep that the safe. truth? Yeah. To keep yeah. him safe. From ever having to go to the deep place within him that is probably a real black hole, very much a black hole
0: and and that's the scariest thing you know i I um am a spiritual guide, and I teach people how to meditate, and often they wiggle around that because we all think we have a black hole in us mm-hmm. but mostly, I'm finding that's because it, well, like for me, I thought I did, but that's because I was in. Uh, a narcissistic relationship. So there was, where did I, you know, I had to work so hard to find the light within me. Mm. And then, uh, in my experience, he was sourcing my light, right? Yeah. The yeah. entanglement, uh, you know, was so uh, entangled. And <laughs> I didn't realize it until the process of divorce as I tried to untangle myself. It's, it's
1: fascinating. It is, and also, you know, we were talking about, obviously the book's call a man script and the script that they use when they're actually cheating. There is a script that actually a narcissist use and there's just four things and it is a pattern of behavior. So what they will do initially is they love bomb you. They make you love them. They make you think you're the only person that they've ever loved in the whole world. When they've got you to a certain point, they then start to devalue you. And that, they do that. And most of the time we come running, oh, why don't you, you know, and, and so you, you're, you're sort of running after this, you no, know, love me, love me, or, you know, what's going on here? Then they discard you. So you've got the love bomb you, they devalue you, they then discard you. And then when you're at your rock bottom and they think you're as low as you can get, they come back, and the word terminology is they hoover you back up again with all the love bombing in order to keep you exactly where they want you. And they are the four parts to a narcissist behavior. And what they're looking for all the time is what they call the narcissist supply. And that is attention, affection, love. And that's it in a nutshell. Okay. So you just described my life,
0: by the way, Julia, thank Uh, you. Um, But uh, are there other men that cheat that aren't narcissists and what's their script?
1: Okay. Um, Yes, of course. There are, there are men, not all men are narcissists and those that cheat are, are definitely not all narcissists. You know, there are many reasons, but not excuses To why men cheat or anybody cheats, and we say it in the book all the time you are not to blame if you are on the receiving end of being cheated on. It is a choice, it's always a choice. You didn't make him her, you didn't enforce it, it's not your fault. And I think you've because so many people have come to me and said, What can I do? If I'd have done this, he would have stayed, if I'd done that, he wouldn't have done this, and I say, No. You're in a relationship to respect each other. If things are not going right in it, you've got to communicate it. If it's not communicated, how on earth can you do anything about it? This is not your fault. It's always a choice. And sometimes, you know, affairs will happen because there is an emotional void. You know, men do have an affair because of an emotional void as well. You know, it's it, it's it's sort of that I, I think what happens is is maybe the excitement goes, maybe there's a lack of communication, maybe there are difficulties within the family unit, maybe there's other, things are happening at work, maybe the whole dynamics just change, or maybe they just get into a rut, mm-hmm. and someone comes along and ignites that little spark, and if you are of that type. Or are you are susceptible and honesty, integrity, and loyalty are not maybe your prime focus, or maybe they were at some point, but you just had a moment when you you succumbed, if you like. I think it's very um, interesting to know that those that are of the latter that I've just said that basically they are basically honest, loyal, respectful people. But for whatever reason, in that moment in time, they went down that rocky road of cheating. When they get found out, nine times out of ten, they never want the, they never want to leave their wife. They want to repair it and they're prepared to work at it if, if the you know if both want to do that. But if you've got someone who doesn't have or, or the relationship itself isn't born out of loyalty and respect and honesty, and they get caught out then the likelihood is it will end that relationship because really they probably didn't want to be in, in the first place, but it was just easy. Yeah. And, I, yeah. And
0: I imagine with, well, I don't imagine I experienced uh, with children, you know, when you have a child, it, it, the, 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 ch- hopefully man, the children take more of a priority. Hopefully But um, it does. That becomes the kids become the glue for a while, and also can become the thing that separates the couple because they're focusing on the children and not their primary relationship themselves. You know, with each other.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think. I think that's why. I know we were talking before about how, because of the virus and because of lockdown. You know, in the UK, we've really got a, a rise in divorces of 50%. Now, why? Why are people now deciding to split up because they're with each other all the time? Is because I think you see, I think distraction is a great thing. I think you need distraction in your life away from something that is difficult. I think a lot of our relationships are we are um, if you like, there are segments to it, you know, we, we maybe have our Work life, we have a home life, we have our individual life, we have a partner's interview, we have our children, and they all work together in some way. But then all of a sudden, you're thrown together 24/7, and those little irritants that you could actually deal with, all of a sudden become the biggest thing, and that's it. I can't deal with this anymore, and that's rather sad in a way because actually, what you forget is all the other side the other side of the person before all of this or when you first met, there was a great piece in a book that was called um, Too Bad to Stay, Too Good to Leave. Hmm. And in that it said, if at the start of your relationship you really had that sexual chemistry and you really loved each other, then even if there was a breakdown along the way, you had the potential there to repair it if you, if you both followed the right script with reconciliation. But if that was never there, then in actual fact, it would be very difficult to ever find it because it was never there in the first place. And it is true that we do go into relationships for different reasons. And we'd like to think it was just because we really love somebody and don't want to be without them. But, you know, that's not always case I think we've got to be fair when we say that you know it's it's not always because we absolutely adore somebody Then maybe because we want companionship because we want friendship because we don't want to be on our own because we can't afford to be on our own there's many dynamics that come into relationships but the relationship with yourself as you know Susan is the most important one in life I I really have come to believe that uh And
0: this is why I continue to always do work on my inner self-esteem and empowerment, because I really believe that uh, that is, like I said earlier, that is, it raises your vibration, right? It raises your energy system to a higher level that you become attracting, attractive, energetically to a better match, for relationship within you, and that certainly was my case, and and it, it, the, for for many women who are still in this a loop of low self esteem, it's hard to get out unless you do the inner work, and 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 it's work to really learn how to love yourself and respect yourself. Don't you think, Julia?
1: Yes, it is. It it is really hard because I think we're also part of the time taught not to you know boost ourselves up and you can't say, well, I'm really good at this. But actually you should exactly what you should say. You know, you should list your achievements. You should actually say, what do I value? What matters to me? How do I think about this? If I wasn't in this relationship, would I have acted differently at this, 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 and the other? You've got to find yourself again. And one of the things that people say they find the most difficult, Susan, is to trust again. Oh my gosh. that's a um, big
0: word for me big 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 it's really i mean i tr- I, I i am i am happy to say i am learn i have learned to trust enough yeah right to be in a healthier relationship but there i still have a post traumatic stress trigger that happens and the, and the trust falls out you know the bottom because i'm like
1: ah uh, yeah yeah and it's very true that there is a post traumatic um Fallout no doubt about that because the impact of being cheated on and betrayed 100% affects you so deeply and the shock of it to the nervous system you are PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder you hundred percent you you feel those all those symptoms of that. One of the things Jackie and I said about the trust element was that lots of people that we spoke to said, well how can I trust somebody else? if I can't even trust myself to know or to not know that I knew what was going on or who my partner ever was. And to that, we said, well, why don't you start to think about the people who do trust you? Oh, that's brilliant. You know, what about the people who trust you? Why do they trust you? Because you're a trustworthy person. How do they know that? They know that because of the way you behave, because of the way you are. Now take strength from that and know that if someone can trust you, then you can trust yourself. And that's just oh the start point. Julia, that's
0: that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And, and you guys, didn't I tell you she's a courageous person for, for going through what she went through and then coming out the other side. And now you're helping others, which I just am so deeply grateful for and honored to have had this conversation with you today, Julia Keys. So where can people find your book?
1: The book is on Amazon, so you can get the book on Amazon. Um, and I just wanted to also say, for those that maybe find it a struggle on a day-to-day basis, we also wrote, and it's called the My Freedom Diary and Journal. Oh. And this is a step-by-step, literally daily guide to getting through the worst parts. So it's all about how you deal with your thoughts, how you deal with trust, how you deal with yourself, how to get up in the morning, you know, and by the end of the book, we hope that you will have moved into your shoes, you know, you become you. And so that was a sequel if you like, but it it, it literally is, you know, we've got information and then you've got places to write. And you know, the first thing we advise you to do on this and then put it away, is you actually end up writing a letter. You write a letter. and you oh, I, I'm like, oh my God, God, because i that's what
0: I've done. I had to do myself. I have my clients write a letter. You never have to send it. Yeah. You don't want to, but oh my God, that's so awesome.
1: Yeah, write a letter. And then when you've done that, that's it. Day one, you're moving on.
0: So the book we've been talking about today is called yes. The Manscript. Yes. A guide to surviving and thriving infidelity. And and I want to encourage everybody to also get the companion that Julia just talked about.
1: The My Freedom Diary and Journal. And that, that again is, um, as it says, it's a compassionate helping hand, empowering you to track your personal journey from the place you find yourself in to the place you choose to be. Oh my God, I got chills. I love that.
0: So, we're going to have uh, links to the books, the titles, and links in our show notes later. But, Julia Keyes, again, oh my gosh, Uh, thank you. Thank you for being who you have become. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for that work because I know it's going to be helping hundreds of thousands of millions of people like me. So thank you
1: for that. Well thank you so much for being so lovely. I it has really touched me actually Susan talking to you and the fact that the words that you have expressed to me have really touched me deeply because I throughout my marriage never heard words like that. And honestly you're gonna be hearing them a lot now lady. (laughs) So I am Oh, gosh. Thank you. I'm really deeply touched. Thank you so much. And to all your listeners out there, we can do this, girls. We can do it. You can do it. I promise you, you can do this. You just need a little bit of help.
0: Absolutely. And so with that, I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Namaste. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.